Welcome to the Crow's Nest, the place of the best view on the wind farm service vessel market. My name is Sue Allen, I'm an analyst at 4C Offshore, and this podcast is about the vessels used to support offshore wind logistics, that is crew transfer vessels, service operations vessels, accommodation ships and helicopters. I'm going to be talking to industry experts about subjects close to their hearts, including new design concepts and technology and other changes affecting offshore wind support. Hello and welcome to Four Seas Crow's Nest. Uh, I'm joined today by Chris Huxley Raynard, who's Managing Director of Raygar Limited. And we're going to talk today about how vessel monitoring can be used to help with the decarbonisation agenda. So welcome along, Chris. Good to have you here. Good morning. Uh-huh. Thank you. Good morning. So I know you have a vessel monitoring system, which also uses the acronym of VMMS. Could you explain what that means, VMMS? Yeah, that's over. Um, VMMS has a sort of historic meant vessel motion monitoring system Uh and motion monitoring is something that's been of particular interest to the offshore wind industry because they want to know that technicians are being delivered from CTVs onto wind turbines in a, in a safe manner and that uh, they want to be able to evaluate the, the motion performance or should we say the vessel stability uh, for different CTVs working at different sites and compare which vessels provide the most stable transfers um, for different sites. And they're also interested in motion sickness when technicians are being transferred to and from the site from the harbour. So historically, VMMS has been, been all about about motion monitoring. But I think more recently, the term VMS, which sort of stands for Vessel uh, Monitoring System, it, that's been used more more recently. And, and that's that's really refers to broader monitoring, not just about vessel motion, but about things like fuel consumption, fuel efficiency, mm-hmm. um, engine health monitoring. Uh, so it's a bit broader than just the motion of the vessel. Right. Okay. And um, so your bare fleet, I think it's your bare fleet system does this, doesn't it? and it's installed on many vessels. That's right. So so Bearfleet been operating for about uh, seven years now, but about 100, 160 vessels using the system. Most of those are, are working in offshore wind, crew transfer vessels and SOVs, but also other tugs and pilot boats and, and fast ferries and so on. But Bearfleet was really designed to provide comprehensive remote monitoring on board vessels. So incorporating the motion monitoring that I just described for a, for a VMMS system, right. but also more broadly, the the fuel efficiency monitoring, the engine health monitoring, and the, the other aspects of monitoring, which are all a kind of a part of the equation as, as far as a, a vessel operator is concerned, and, and indeed a, a farm operator is concerned in terms of understanding you know, what they're getting for their money, what, you know, this is all about offshore wind operations. This is all about delivering technicians on and off turbines safely. And that's the sort of ultimate metric of performance. And and they want to know how effectively different vessels are doing that under different conditions and what the associated environmental impact is and, and how they can reduce that impact. That's really what this is all about. Yeah. It seems that you've got two systems going on there, one looking at the vessel as in just purely from a mechanical perspective and then also in the sense of, um, if I'm if I'm right, they used to log things like engine times and um, temperatures manually. Yeah, it's, it, it's, uh, it's sometimes difficult to, to sort of get across to, to customers that the fact that Bare Fleet is, is a very, um, it covers a lot of bases. It's mm-hmm. very broad monitoring. So, uh, and of course, performance means different things to, to different customers, right? So it's not 
exclusively a system for for monitoring fuel consumption and efficiency. Uh, yeah, try to describe it as a as an eye in the sky on sort of all aspects of vessel mm-hmm. operation. So it's it's to do with maintenance, it's to do with fuel efficiency, it's to do with motion of the vessel. Ultimately, as I was saying, really, it's to do with the ability of a vessel to deliver as many personnel as possible on on an offer wind turbine in mm-hmm. an, in as efficient a way as possible, so that they that vessel can sort of secure charters. That's right. what it's all. About. Um, and obviously, it, we're, we're focusing on the fuel today, but performance means other things as well. Yeah, because it's um, you can be very fuel efficient, but the actual performance isn't very good. So, right, that, indeed, you can have a very small vessel that's very fuel efficient, but uh, you can't deliver any technicians onto turbines unless the conditions are a flat calm. Yeah, and that's, that's no use to the end customer. No, there, there has to be. You know, they have to be able to perform as well as um, everything. That well, that's ultimately what's required is the performance. I mean, it sounds like you've got. A lot of vessels with this system on board because um, I'm familiar with the uh, service vessel market. Thinking of CTVs, there's around about 300, 350 that are regularly active. So you've got very good coverage. Um, is it mandatory at all by any clients? It's it's mandated by some clients by which by which I mean by by some wind farm operators. It's mm-hmm. not mandated in a legal sense, no. um, but there are there are wind farm operators who will essentially mandate our system for. Mm-hmm. Uh, vessels coming onto charter onto contract with them. Right. Okay. So, so who who has access to the data? Is this obviously? Does everyone have access to everything, or is it? Well, I mean, that, that's a really good question because Beth. Fleet monitors a, a broad range of, of, of parameters, if you like, saying mm-hmm. motion, engine health, and so on. Um, what we would normally do is we would make data available to our direct customer. They, they would get all the data. So that might be the vessel operator, but it's not always the vessel operator. Sometimes our customer will be the wind farm operator themselves. Mm-hmm. But they will have they will have access to all the data, and they the the customer, whoever that is, can then can then if you like nominate a sort of a sub-user who has access to a subset of that data. So perhaps the most um, kind of common example would be where a vessel operator, CTV fleet operator, installs bare fleet across their fleet, and they're doing that for, for multiple purposes. They're wanting to monitor machinery health and vessel fuel efficiency and all of those things for their own purposes. And they're also wanting to monitor vessel motion and PAX transfers and all of that information in order to be able to share that data with their um, wind farm operator customer. Uh-huh. So in that case, the wind farm operator would have access only to the the, the, the motion and PAX transfer information, right. but not to what I would call the dirty washing, which is the, <laughs> the alarms and the um, and the sort of the engine health measurements, which really the wind farm operator doesn't need to see those, and and that's for uh-huh. the for the vessel operator to, to know and, and to, to act upon. Right. Okay. And what happens when the obviously the information is recorded on board the vessel? Is this then sent live to base or is it when they yeah, return the way- to base? <clears throat> The, the way the way the system works is there's there's a there's a data logger on board the vessel which is in, in constantly recording sort of ship GPS information engine performance fuel flow uh, health information uh, sometimes it's also monitoring the health of other machinery not just main engines but it might mm-hmm. be ASI thrusters or hydraulic systems or winches or 
hybrid drives or whatever that might be. Right. Um, and then, of course, it's also mon- mon- monitoring the motion data from our own onboard motion sensor. All of that information is logged on locally and it's relayed to the cloud whenever an internet connection is available. Uh, and the data is, is post-processed in the cloud, generally on a, on a daily basis. Uh, we generate reports which are emailed to customer or they can access in the cloud, which provide a summary of what the vessel's been doing that day, fuel consumption, CO2 emissions, what transfers have taken place, what transits have taken place, all, all sorts of information. And then they can go on a web portal and interact with the data that way and look at the live state of of a particular vessel or they can graph measurement data over a period of time so that's sort of basically how how the system works normally it uses its own gsm mobile connection to get data ashore but it can also use the vessel's own vsat connection obviously if the vessel's working offshore for a period of time it's going to be relying on vsat for its own internet and we right. piggyback on that. Okay. I can imagine that um, one that saves a huge amount of time trying to log that data and I've got much more detail for analysis. And also, I think one of the complaints I've heard in the past from vessel operators that um, their client maybe says that they use a lot of fuel, but then compared to another vessel, but when you've got that record that actually they've had to run around the site a lot more or do more transfers or required to increase speed, etc., they can make proper comparisons on, on performance. I think that has been a, a bit of a concern in the past for some vessel operators. Having a system like Bearfleet gives a vessel operator the opportunity to generate a really reliable record of performance under different conditions, whether that's different weather conditions or operating on different sites. And that can be really, really helpful in, in, in securing contracts and in building a good relationship with their with their customers. Yeah. We've got vessel operator customers now who who share very openly the data that they gather from Bearfleet with their wind farm customers, not because they have to, but because mm-hmm. they choose to. And it helps to sort of foster a, a kind of good open relationship between the two where the wind farm operator sort of sees that the vessel operator is being open with them about yeah. you know the situation on, on the ground and what's you know day to day and month by month how these vessels are performing and that's 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 very helpful you're right to say that you know different is horses for courses <laughs> in terms of <laughs> the suitability of different ctvs or indeed sovs mm-hmm. for different sites so you know a, a near shore site is a completely different beast from a an offshore site where vessel might be spending several days out there sort of being serviced by by an SOV. It, it's a completely different equation. Yeah. And of course, the, the, the needs, the vessel needs are different between those sites as well. You know, a, a site that's further offshore, that's much more exposed with a longer transit time is going to require a different sort, you know, a bigger CTV or capable vessel than, than a near shore site where it's a short hop from harbour and maybe the yeah. site is, is more sheltered. That's very interesting because I know that over time, the cost of fuel, never mind the cost of the environment, but just the uh, financial cost can be quite considerable when you're running a number of vessels to support operation and maintenance and over a 25, possibly 30-year life cycle. That can be many millions of pounds and always a pound or pound or euro saved on fuel is a euro on the, on the profit, isn't it? And yeah, Do you have any examples of where 
there's been a clear, you know, vessel monitoring has assisted with improving fuel consumption just by understanding the the use. Yeah, well, I mean, firstly, it's probably worth saying how, I mean, how, how sort of Airfleet works, where, where we provide, we're not just sort of measuring fuel consumption on a day-by-day basis mm-hmm. and saying, well, you know, today you burnt a thousand litres of fuel and your CO2 emissions were such and such. We're... we're we're reporting the amount of fuel that's burnt according to the operation that the vessel's doing. So right. the vessel might be um, standing by in harbour, taking packs on board. It might be transiting out to the work site, might be doing dockings or, or transfers with packs getting on and off the vessel. It might be sort of loitering around um, the farm, standing by waiting right. for instruction to pick up. So understanding where the, you know, how the fuel's being consumed and um, what the vessel's doing is is key to achieving sort of fuel savings and and, and understanding you know seeing what the vessel's doing so to to to, to give an example just a sort of simple example where um ctvs uh, might be loitering on on the work site on, on the farm for extended periods of time because they've got no packs to pick up there's an opportunity there to shut down the engines tie the vessel off to the to one of the turbines uh, and stand by, you know, which they might do for several hours. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a you know a very easy hit opportunity, and, and Bearfleet data allows a customer to evaluate the benefit of that in terms right. of fuel saving. It's probably also worth saying that that the benefits here are sometimes as much about um, sort of the maintenance running hours side as they are about the fuel consumption. And of course, you know, maintenance has a knock-on of, uh, effect on overall environmental impact. So right. to give an example, a vessel might, uh, you know, this is very common for, for all CTVs, they might spend a lot of time in harbour beginning at the end of the day with the engines running standing by waiting to head out to the farm or picking up packs or whatever and they might accumulate a lot of running hours it may not be a huge amount of fuel consumption it's something but a lot of running hours to arguably not really doing anything at all uh, and so a bare fleet allows a customer to see or well, you know how how much of a problem is that and and what can we do about it because you know reducing running hours there's a real opportunity there to reduce the the, the burden of maintenance yeah. with all the associated environmental impact that that has. Yes, because engines have a lifespan, a number of hours, don't they? And also they have to undergo maintenance at certain periods, don't they? And it, it's about running hours like we do in the car, so many miles. Yeah. It's your running it's, period. So cutting those costs and extending that life period, obviously, is a big advantage to everyone because it brings down costs. And so yeah. that's got to be good. I mean, we're talking, I guess, a lot about um, when you talk about fuel diesel but how will this work with um when we've got hybrid vessels and potentially so, new fuels that's a really a really good question so so with with hybrid vessels obviously the electricity doesn't come for free right <laughs> so you know these vessels have to be charged uh, and that is a a whole different technical challenge in itself with you know ctvs getting bigger and bigger the requirement for potentially very large hybrid drives and you know how do you charge those vessels efficiently in short periods of time is 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 it a separate challenge but we, when we, we we look to report a sort of kilowatt hour equivalent consumption mm-hmm. for the hybrid vessels and we look to sort of make a direct comparison between kilowatt hours of electricity consumed when they're in electric mode versus right. um, equivalent kilowatt hours of energy consumed through burning diesel. Right. So it gives a way to to make a kind of a like for like comparison between uh, like a diesel only propulsion system or a hybrid system or indeed a pure electric system. Right. Okay. Yes, because we can calculate the um, carbon emissions from all fuel sources, um, so that would help because there's. I know 
there's a lot of research going on. And I would say 50% of the vessels, new vessels, new builds coming into the market have some sort of hybrid option. And that, that can vary from having sufficient generator capacity on board for avoiding using the engines in port to uh, being able to operate on uh, battery power. So it's... Uh, I mean, interestingly, on, on the sort of, on the, the adoption of, of hybrid propulsion systems, we're finding increasingly customers that, that already have their fleet on their the diesel propulsion vessels are using the the data from our system basically to spec the hybrid drive because right. their fleet gives them a, a complete usage profile yeah. for their vessel of what you know what they're currently doing so what's required from their current propulsion system in terms of time and speed of transit what they're doing on the farm how much of the time they're spending at different engine loads and at different vessel speeds and from that they can calculate a, a power and an energy requirement from from a hybrid drive, they can say, well, under these phases of operation, we would be able to be pure electric. Under these phases, we'd be running on diesel propulsion and, and uh-huh. sort of everything in between. Um, and, you know, I guess, you know, almost goes as far as to say it's almost essential to have that yeah. um, measured duty cycle information to spec to spec a hybrid drive for a vessel. Otherwise, you're, you're guessing. Yeah, oh, I can see that. See, it's essential. I mean, have you in in your time working with the offshore wind market, have you noticed significant differences between sites, which maybe is not just all about um, the sea conditions, because that's one of the biggest problems working offshore is every location is different environmentally. Sure, I mean, the, 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 there are massive differences in, in terms of if you know if you look at the overall, I uh, guess, environmental impact and fuel consumption for for different sites. A, a site that's you know that that's far offshore where requiring bigger CTVs because it's more exposed where the vessels are staying out on site for maybe four or five days at a time and they're operating from an SOV it's a you know it's a very different operational profile to much smaller CTVs doing a short hop out to mm-hmm. a, a near shore farm where the vessel's much smaller potentially the conditions are much more sheltered it, it, so it's, it's quite difficult to sort of isolate a, a particular you know it's difficult to isolate the exposure of the site from the distance mm-hmm. from shore for example because they're kind of it's all interrelated yeah but there, are, there are huge differences in, in in the overall environmental impact of ctv operations on a site because they require different vessels and those vessels are working in different ways. Mm-hmm. Has, has the um, the monitoring allowed sort of perhaps the operators to um, optimise their training of uh, skippers and masters at all? Because I know there can be quite a big difference in fuel consumption when driving a car between two different drivers. Is there? So, 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 certainly, and, and there are aspects of Bear Fleet which can, can alert the, the, the sort of team on shore about a sort of certain, should we say, skipper behaviours, whether that's uh, over o- over revving over revving the engines or mm-hmm. kind of working the throttle very hard, or indeed you know things like high impact loads, which have nothing to do with fuel consumption, but which are nonetheless something that, right. that the operator on shore wants wants to know about when the vessel's approaching the turbine for a docking. So so there are um, yeah, that skipper behaviour can be I guess monitored and. 
controlled is it's not quite the right words um there's a feedback, there's a feedback mechanism there between yeah. um what the, the the information that gets back to shore from bear fleet and then the, the the training and and with you know with the skipper in terms of trying to get everybody to work as efficiently you know operate the vessel as efficiently yeah. and safely as possible no no it's interesting because i think it was uh, bs offshore with their crew they were introduced some sort of carbon monitoring system and it allowed sort of this it provided some feedback for crew the marine crew so that they could manage their carbon profile if yes. you like a bit better which was quite interesting because we know nobody wants to be feel like they're being spied upon and brought to task but obviously sometimes if you're not aware you're doing something just knowing that is seen as you know as long as it's done in a positive way at the it, end of the day indeed and that's that, that's key i think to to, to make it uh, to do it in a positive way and not for it to for it to be a, a carrot not a not a stick i mean we've got some quite exciting developments in the pipeline at the moment where um skippers will get that sort of live live feedback that you describe uh, and almost almost framed in the in the sort of form of a it's almost like a game you know yeah. where, where <laughs> it's a challenge it's a challenge for the skipper yeah. to perform as well as they can and in no way is it a is, is, is it a sort of a stick to punish them it's it, yeah. it's uh it's a look here, here, here's here's something to aim for how, how well can you do it yeah and well, that, that appeals to people's sort of human human nature that yeah we all like to sort of have targets but it's when it's seen as not achievable sometimes it's, but if it's something we can work towards Jesus. and as long as we're all working together i mean from the data you've received in the past or your customers have received in the past has there been any unexpected results um there, there have been um, and one of the things that that we've been surprised with and this is not true of every vessel but there are a number of vessels where the uh, you know one just assumes that the, the faster you steam well obviously the faster you go the higher the fuel consumption but when you look at fuel efficiency in terms of liters per nautical mile covered yeah. which is rele- relevant for say transits to and from the farm it's not always as simple as to say that the, the faster you go the the less efficient the vessel is there are, there are circumstances where actually you know if that's not the case you can go you know you can go uh, at a very high speed and, and be no less efficient that of course depends on depends on the vessel but that that's been one surprising thing I think we've been generally surprised by the number of hours that are accumulated idling, <laughs> not not doing what one might consider to be useful work. And of course, that's a simplification, right? Because the vessels need to spend time alongside loading, yeah. um, embarking, disembarking. It's not as simple as that, but it, it is nonetheless quite surprising how much time is spent um, in the sort of the, the idle state. And of course, this is one of the motivations for bringing hybrids and other technologies yeah, sure. online. So that, that's been a surprise. Yeah, I can imagine that'd be quite shocking in some cases, but it would seem to be sort of low-hanging fruit in the decarbonisation agenda if we could stop that or allow tying up offshore so that they don't have to run the engines constantly or at a lower speed. It, it seems to me that's um, it's a bit like energy efficiency. One of the first things you do is just switch things off. It's not very high tech. Uh, I think that's a good analogy. That's a good analogy, yeah. It's one of the most boring ones, but actually simple and effective and gets the results. So, I mean, just going forward, um, Chris, how, how do you see the importance of um, vessel monitoring in the decarbonisation agenda? Well, I think this sort of comes back to something you said at the beginning where, where I think you said if you can't measure it you can't improve it yeah <laughs> and and i and i totally agree with you uh, and reducing carbon footprint is only going to become a more and more topical uh, subject and it's only going to become more regulated and uh, so end user customers wind farm operators are only going to be paying more and more attention to the that's sort of the environmental credentials 
of the companies that, that they charter vessels from. So obviously combined with that, the fact that the the, the winds, the winds uh, offshore wind market is, you know, is, is growing apace. And, you know, we can all see with what's going on in the world <clears throat> at the moment that, that having sort of security of supply and kind of maximising your own domestic energy production has got obvious um, sort of political benefits. Yeah, uh, so I think all, all of those things together, you know, from our perspective, I think we, we see that the, the need for, uh, remote monitoring, the sort of thing that Barefleet does is only gonna it's only gonna increase. And we've no, you know, I've noticed a big difference in the six years or so since we've been selling Barefleet, which doesn't sound very long, but for for a remote monitoring technology, you know, remote monitoring's not really been a thing for for all that long. Uh, and we've noticed big changes in customer attitude towards the whole idea of remote monitoring. You know, there were six years yeah. ago we would we would sort of talk to customers and many of them would not really understand even right. even the sort of the basics of what was possible and why you would do it and what the benefits would be. And now it's unusual that we would have a, a conversation with a customer like that. It's much more usual that they will know about remote monitoring and they will be uh-huh. evaluating the different options on the market and they'll have specific requirements. And right from, from off the bat, the discussion that we're having with them is one from a, where they're already at a point of that they're educated and they know about they know about the concept of remote monitoring and the basics of what it can offer them. So attitudes have changed That's good to just hear. over five or six years. And I think that that will, that will continue, you know, and I think customers will get more and more informed and knowledgeable about just data in general, that the, the yeah. ways to gather data and how they can use data to not only improve their environmental sort of impact and, and footprint, but also make their business more efficient in, in, mm-hmm. in all sorts of other ways. Um, I mean, it's something that we're looking at right now at the moment. We've got some work in progress to provide some quite sophisticated sort of analytics tools right. alongside all that, that interact with all the data we get from from Bearfleet that allows customers to, you know, not just say how much fuel was burned by this boat on this site, but to really ask very flexible, intelligent questions about, you know, can you tell me which vessels are the best performing in terms of the number of transfers that they deliver right. per litre of diesel consumed over this time window, over these types of sites, you know, much more uh, sophisticated mm-hmm. questions that they'll be able to ask yeah. uh, because I think customers are more and more savvy about what's possible and their, their expectations are only going to, going to increase. Yeah, no, I, I, I can see that. I mean, I think you mentioned earlier this sort of litres per hour burnt is slightly misleading. What we need to look at litres per nautical mile and different site conditions because you can't, it's very hard to compare those numbers and say this is good and this is bad or this is better because I know I've seen people commenting about uh, SES vessels for example, that have maybe a high number of litres per hour they use, but they cover a bigger distance. So actually per nautical mile, they're easily on a comparison with um, more standard type vessels and powered systems. Yeah, right. I mean, that's interesting because to us, that feels like a very basic thing. We're thinking, well, of course, obviously you would only look at litres per nautical mile, but of course it's it's not obvious. It's not necessarily no, obvious no. to everybody. I mean, some of the data I collect, I, collect, I look at sort of the quoted litres per hour burnt, but it's actually a little bit meaningless because it says nothing about the, under which conditions. Um, it's, Absolutely, it, you, or, or indeed how much time the boat might be spending in the, each of those <laughs> so conditions, totally. it, it's a yeah it's a sort of well, it's a sort of marker in the sand but it's not i don't think anyone would want to guarantee those those rates or it could be better or it could be a bit worse depending on what they're doing at the time but yeah it seems to me that you know this is obvious in many ways that we we, we have to do all this measuring and monitoring and delivering the performance because at the end of the day it's all about getting 
passengers and equipment and supplies out to offshore wind farms efficiently, but also safely. Uh, and the whole back to the motion part of it, I know that's quite sophisticated. And some of the data you collect, you're looking at the impact on the turbine, you're looking at the wave conditions at the time compared to the vessel motions, sort of not just up and down, because when you're on a boat, it's not just a single direction motion. You sort of you can be side to side. There's lots of different things going on. So being able to monitor that in a comprehensive way and also in an objective way, I think is just, it seems, I hate to use the phrase a no-brainer, but it's really, you know, this has to be done. But I so, think, yeah. I think, that's, I think that, that's, that's borne out by the fact that some of the wind farm operators are, are mandating systems mm-hmm. like their fleets because it's giving them just that just that insight and it makes such a difference to them you know the cost of running O&M operations is is very significant and sometimes the differences in in what they would call performance between vessels and boats I mean that that in the broader sense of the word not just fuel but also stability of motion and ability to effectively transfer more personnel per liter of fuel burnt if you like or per mm-hmm. unit of time or per um dollar spent in uh, sort of charter costs the the ability to compare that performance between vessels and there can be they're looking, you know sometimes looking for quite relatively subtle differences in right. performance between vessels you know and you can only understand what those differences are if, if you're measuring it it's not enough to sort of say oh yeah this boat seems to do better than that boat no. they they rely on measurement based data to to see these quite subtle differences between vessels and make decisions about, you know, what vessel is suitable to charter for a particular site. Yeah. No, I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, facts destroying good fit, <laughs> facts uh, destroying a theory. But uh, yeah, we'll be able to provide the hard cold facts is, and, and the data is essential for just the financial aspect of the wind farms and also for the decarbonisation, which is something that we've got to do together. But I'd like to thank you for this insight into not just the bare fleet system, but also just how how this is used in the field in day-to-day operations and how it can impact on uh, the costs and the carbon use in servicing wind farms. So yeah, thanks very much for joining us, Chris. And we shall, I'll put some links in the show notes. So if you want to find out more and there's some opportunities there, but yeah, thanks for your time today, Chris. And That's my pleasure. Nice to talk to you, Sue. Speak to you and thanks for joining us in the Crow's Nest. Okay, thank you. Bye bye. Many thanks for joining me here in the Crow's Nest. If you'd like to find out more about any of the topics discussed or about 4C Offshore, please see the show notes where I've included details and links. If you've enjoyed listening to our show today, please subscribe to our channel and get notifications of new episodes. The Crow's Nest is a 4C Offshore production.